We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, everybody. Happy Casual Friday. Talk of Buffalo podcast. I am your host, a fully vaccinated Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Joined, as always, on Friday by my buddy, a fully vaccinated Del Reed. Del, of course, owner of 26 Shirts and the co-founder of Bill's Mafia. What's going on, Del? How you doing, buddy? What is going on, my friend? How are you today? Doing well. We had some technical difficulties a short time ago trying to get this set up. That's the funny thing about these computers of technology. You never know. But anyway, I got Dell on the phone this week. I will be in person, actually, in Buffalo next week. I'm going to go to the 26 Shirts office and uh, tape a show with Dell. I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, so I got my second shot too now. So now we're even, buddy. We're even. Yeah. We're yeah. fully vaccinated individuals right now. You know, I, I think I think I had to endure a little more than you did based on our conversation last week. Like, you were pretty much fine within 24 hours, right? Like, you felt pretty much 100% within maybe a full day, right? Yeah, I didn't feel I, I didn't feel anything, man. Aside from that little prick when it went in, um, <laughs> shoot for all I know, they put a placebo in me. That, that had no, I've had no ill effect. So. I wasn't quite so fortunate. So I got my shot on a Tuesday morning, and I felt nothing either, other than you know a little soreness in that actual vicinity where I got the needle, and I felt good. I I, rem- I went on Facebook Tuesday night and I was kind of talking a little bit of trash. You know, saying I got tiger blood, nothing can affect me, blah, blah, blah. Well, that was premature because I did wake up Wednesday and I, and I felt crappy. I had a I had a fever, but it went down really quick with the aspirin. And then I just, just like the first shot, I just got really tired. Like I slept a good chunk of the afternoon away. And then last night I thought I'd be up all night and I, I went to bed and I pretty much slept through the night. So I would just say general fatigue and my arm was very sore the next day, but nothing crazy. Like I didn't have any significant headaches. Rest and aspirin, ibuprofen definitely did the trick. So I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Nobody really cares, but well, I, I do bring it up because I actually want to start there today, Dell. Um, I mean, we're not going to deep dive into it, but it is news sort of, it shouldn't be news, but it is news and it's Buffalo bills and Buffalo related. And that was Josh Allen appearing on a, uh, 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt, a podcast, which by the way, it's a good podcast. And, and it was actually a really enjoyable podcast. But one of the questions was about COVID vaccinations and, and Josh Allen's stand, his take on it, if he's going to get it. And he didn't really say anything wrong. I don't think he did anyway. And it just, you know how it goes in the off season, man. People just got to make a big deal out, out of everything. Basically, Josh Allen said that he was going to wait for more statistics. He hasn't gotten a shot. He doesn't know. He's going to get the shot. If 
if stats tell him he should, then he will. And if not, you know, then he won't. But what I mean, again, not a big deal. But were you a little bit taken back? Uh, and again, we're tape, we tape this every Thursday early afternoon. So this was on Wednesday. Were you taken back a little bit anyway by just some of the strong reactions to to people on Twitter about it? Because I, I just didn't think it was a big deal. But some people just, like always, just had to make it into a big deal. Like, what's your stance on that? What he said and everything. Well, I mean, I wasn't even on Twitter that, <laughs> that much yesterday, believe it or not. Lucky you. Um, so I kept, well, I kept seeing people talking about how other people were upset. And I, I, I'm, I think I saw like a tweet or two, but I didn't see this groundswell that I've seen people um, referring to. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just didn't experience. I mean, I didn't see it, so whatever. But um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know, man. Like he, <laughs> I thought he. he did the best he could without really committing either way. I mean, at the end of the day, he said, like, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Like, I, 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 I don't know. It's his, it's, <laughs> it's his own prerogative to say that. He's probably doing his best not to alienate people on both sides of the fence. He has his opinion. His body is worth millions of dollars. He's probably not super eager to inject anything into it that, you know, could in some way hamper his ability to get that new contract. I mean, I'm not saying that's what his motivation is. I'm just trying to understand um, why people are, are, are so upset. Like, I, I, I don't know. He probably I wasn't. I don't, I don't have, I, I'm about as pro-vax as you can go. And, but at the same time, I'm also pro-liberty. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I understand what you're saying. And you and I, I mean, we've talked about this the last two weeks on this podcast. We both got our shots. We're vaccinated. And that's our decision. You know, when it comes to not to even Josh Allen, but just people like him, 24 years old, he expects to talk football. And maybe these type of conversations, because I've listened to other episodes of Kyle's and it's a lot of off color, off the wall stuff. And I, and again, I enjoy it. I think he was maybe, that wasn't a question that he particularly wanted to talk about. And yeah, I, I think he was being very um, careful what he said. Like you said, he was kind of, um, he didn't want to give an answer that was going to alienate one side or the other. But I, I guess here, here's my thing. And th this is like my take on it. I like Josh Allen. I think he's a good, he, I know he's a good quarterback. I think he's a great teammate. I think he is a, uh, he's a big asset to the Western New York community. There's no question about any of that stuff. But my take is this. I don't really give a shit and all due respect what Josh Allen thinks about COVID vaccinations. You know what I mean? I got mine and him or, or whether Stefan Diggs or, or Terry Bagula or Jim Kelly or Thurman Thomas, none of them are going to talk me out of how I'm supposed to feel and, and what I want to do. And again, he's a great quarterback and I like him and, but who cares what his personal takes are like agree, disagree. And you know, just keep it moving. I just, I don't like, and this is my problem, and I do everything possible, Dell, and I, and I know you do too. The last thing you want to do is say something that could be controversial because, I mean, well, for starters, you run a business, and you don't want to alienate people for any reason, especially when it's not even necessary. But it's like, if Josh Allen is told to get the vaccination, I'm willing to bet he's going to. And I think all football players are going to. I don't know. I guess my point is you could idolize Josh Allen as a football player. You could think he's a great human being, but who really gives a shit what he, what he thinks about the vaccination that's on you and that's your family and, and your loved ones and, you know, people around you that that's what should influence your decision. Not what a, a football player says. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody has to make their own choices, their own decisions. And like I said, I don't think he, he didn't plant his flag uh, too hard on either side. I think he, he said a couple of times, like it's somebody's personal decision. You know, and at this point, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm wrong, but like, I feel like the people have, for the most part, have made up their mind what side of the fence, if we have even put it that way, that they're on, yep. you know, in terms of these vaccines. So like, like, like I said, I, 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 you know, got my vaccine. I looked at it as me doing my part, my point zero 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 one percent you know, ability to get, you know, this herd immunity or whatever it is, get, get us past this. Um, but at the end of the day, if someone else doesn't want to participate, then and if they're not legally obligated to, like, yeah. I'm going to get angry, you know, like, 
I think a big reason why people ultimately should, no matter how they personally feel about it is if you enjoy going to sporting events, and this is my opinion, I mean, this is not factual yet, but I think this is the way it's going to play out. If you want to go to a Bills game or Sabres game or concert at Darien Lake or something along those lines anytime soon, like anytime in the next year or two, at this point, I'd be willing to bet that proven vaccination at some point is, is going to become a requirement or having to go get a, a COVID test no less than 48 or 72 hours. So I don't know. There's just so many reasons in my personal opinion, just to get it done and over with that, you know, whatever. But, but again, if you, if you choose not to, you, you choose not to, I guess the only problem or the biggest problem I have with all this is just people who just want to fight people over, over stuff like this. It's like, agree or disagree and move on. And I've kind of learned that from people like you, actually, I'm getting better at it because I used to be combative and confrontational about almost anyone who didn't share my views on something. But I don't know, man, I kind of just learning, or at least I am learning to, to just keep it moving. You know, I disagree with you and, and that's that. And, and just move forward. It's very frustrating because I don't think Josh Allen really did anything wrong. I don't, and I'll be, I'm not afraid to criticize him if, if I thought he did, but I don't think he did anything wrong. Yeah, I mean, he he was asked an opinion or his you know his out his perspective. He you know gave his perspective as a as a twenty four year old professional athlete you know in peak performance you know health shape. Um, that's where he stands on it, and he didn't even say where he stands. He said uh, he didn't even like he right. didn't go so hard in either direction. So, I, I yeah, like you, I have absolutely no interest in engaging this topic. To be frank, you know. Um, it's his own personal opinion. People have their opinions. People have their own Twitter accounts. They can say what they want. They can choose to have whatever perspective they want and share that perspective. Like you said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, for the most part, live and let live kind of guy. And I understand that this is, this is a little bit of a, um, a hot button topic just because of the past year and everything, but if it's not legally required, then you can't make somebody do it. Yeah. Now, if you think it should be legally required, put your energy into you know, lobbying for that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, like I said, I, did, I feel like I did my part, you know, and I'm just going to go from there. And I just, wait. I just want to go to the movies, man. I just want to <laughs> go to the Bills games. <laughs> that's like where, that's right. where my energy is. You know, I did my part. I cannot control anybody. You cannot control anybody. So, I agree. I, I that's where, I think that's where a little bit of my source of frustration comes. It comes more in, I think the more people that do it, I think the quicker things are going to open and the, and the more assess, accessible things will be. But again, in personal opinions are personal opinions. Anyway, who cares? Let's move on. Let's talk. Actually, there are a couple of Buffalo Bills news items I think are worth bringing up on the podcast today. One of them is the Bills signing off its alignment, a guard, Forrest Lamp. By the way, is there going to be a 26 shirts coming for that? Because it just no. sounds so perfect. <laughs> no? I, I tweeted, don't ask. Yesterday, there's no context. I just, don't ask. That was one of the no first things I, I thought of yeah, that right no away. Disrespect. No, again, no disrespect. You know, maybe he'll be great or whatever. Who knows? And then at which point we'll reassess it. But it's April, man. If this guy was signed in uh, October off the street, we wouldn't be, uh, nobody would even notice. No 26 shirt is imminent at this time. Let's just <laughs> let's say that. Josh, don't make make no mistake. Our creative director, Josh, he designed one like super quick. It was actually pretty great. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Not doing that. <laughs> not everything. Not everything is a shirt. I think I've tweeted that in the past. Not everything not, is a shirt. Guys, not everything is a shirt. <laughs> that might be a Facebook status of mine later on. Not everything yeah. is a shirt. Well, I'll tell you what though. The, the guy does have talent. He he was a start. He started last year for them. His problem has been injuries. I mean, he was a yeah. he was a high draft. He was like the second round pick in in twenty seventeen. He missed all of his rookie year. Or I think he tore his knee up. I want to say um, he he did play in twenty eighteen, but then in twenty nineteen he broke his leg and he missed most of the year. And then he started last year. I mean, I like it. I like. I'm all about offensive line depth, and I don't think you can bank on. Cody Ford or John Feliciano right now, at least in my opinion, Cody Ford has gotten hurt a handful of times already in his career. Feliciano missed time last year. And I don't know the consensus that I hear from speaking to a lot of people who cover the bills, whether it's uh sports writers or, or, or podcasters and bloggers is Feliciano. It's just not the lock that maybe some people think he is. So I like the signing. I mean, they also went on, they signed 
Um, Bobby Hart, which I hate that signing for the Bengals. I, I don't think he's a good tackle at all. I don't think he'll make this team, so I don't spend a lot of effort and energy on him. But Jamil Douglas could play a little bit. They still got Ryan Bates in the mix. Um, Ike Bakker, they they tethered him as a restricted free agent, so he's probably going to be back. I, I like the death, man. I, I like the competition, Ned. I think it might make for some good competition in camp because, again, I don't think Cody Ford or John Feliciano should be written down as starters quite yet in pen. You can run him in pencil right now. Let's not write them as starters down in pen, especially before the draft, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you're right about Forrest Lamp. I didn't mean it. I wasn't dogging the guy at all, you know? I did say no disrespect. So, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I read about his stats and, you know, you know, after the fact, after the signing. And, like, it's, <laughs> actually, I was, based on what I was reading, I was like, I was surprised this guy was on the street. So, um, good for Buffalo for picking him up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, again, the gifts on on Twitter were, were amazing as soon as they saw him. Either the Steve Carell from Anchorman yelling, I love Lamp. <laughs> the gifts were uh, were amazing upon that. Another move, too. By the way, so the offensive line, I, I like that. I think it's shaping up to have some fun battles at training camp at St. John's Fisher. Knock on wood, praying that there is a training camp at St. John's Fisher. That would be great. I also think linebacker is another position where um you might see some good depth battles because they got Tyrell Dodson and Andrew and Andre Smith coming back. They resigned both of them, but they also signed Tyrell Adams and Markel Lee. So I think linebacker and offensive line might be two positions right now where you see some interesting uh, roster battles because we see we see that every year when there is a training camp. Another move that happened, in fact, it happened on Thursday, not long before we started taping this. Dean Marlowe went to Detroit. I think safety is a sneaky need for the Bills right now. I mean, they got and let's guess what, Dell. I'm going to say it right this time. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Poyer and Hyde. I say it wrong. Those two guys, I get them mixed up every single week. But anyway, they're solid. They're maybe, not maybe, they are one of the best safety tandems in the NFL. But after that, they got Wakan Johnson and like Josh Thomas, the kid from UB. That's all they got on their depth chart. Safety's kind of a sneaky need. I I like Dean Marlowe. I'm I'm not happy that, uh, I don't know why the Bills didn't resign him, but I'm not happy he's gone. I think this is a this is a move that I think hurts the Bills more than the average person might realize because he was a very valuable backup. He played in the box. He played nickel corner. He played a lot of snaps at free safety. I like Dean Marlowe. I think they're going to feel that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think I've said it on this podcast. I've said it somewhere in the past. We only see, you know, a small percentage of the activity that these players put on the field. And you know, we don't see practice. We don't see um, stuff, you know, stuff like that. So um, they they didn't they were not quick to try and resign him. So um, I I like you. I liked what I I saw. You know, the past few years. But um, I, I think that going into the draft, I think you know, defensive backfield, we the the Bills may select more players. You know, that reside in the defensive backfield than any other position group when yeah. it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I I could see like maybe rounds three through five, somewhere in that frame, that would be a great spot to take at least one safety and maybe two. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the stats. So this is per um, PFF. Dean Marlowe played 54 snaps in the box, 56 at nickel corner, and 96 at free safety last season. So I am valuable, and he plays special teams. So valuable depth backup. Um. This is one of the few guys who have left the Bills this offseason that I'm like, yeah, because they haven't really done anything to to replace him. Like losing John Brown, it's a good talent. Obviously, John Brown's significantly more talented than Dean Marlowe, but they immediately got Emmanuel Sanders to replace him and maybe an upgrade, but they haven't done anything yet at safety. So I'll be interested in seeing how that plays out. Let's switch teams here real quick. The Sabres, dude. I mean... So this is our fourth straight week of doing this on Friday. And a couple of Fridays ago, it was not pleasant conversations. In fact, I refused to even bring up the Buffalo Sabres a couple of weeks ago because they were playing so bad. But yo. They might be they might be uh, sneaky uh, cup candidates, man, the way they're playing. <laughs> Stop. But, but yeah, man, dude, as we take this now, they're playing on Thursday night. And who knows? Maybe they get destroyed Thursday night. But as we take this on Thursday afternoon, a five-game point streak. They've had points in five short games. They're 3-0-2 in their last five, man. They're playing really good hockey. These young kids especially are looking great, man. I mean, Rasmus Dahlin is looking like who we thought he, we hoped he would be. Finally, he's starting to show 
a lot more signs of that regularly. Yokihara looks really good. Casey Middlestat looks really good. Um, Tage Thompson looks all right. And this is without Eichel, and this is without Dylan Cousins even in the lineup. So, I don't know. Here's the question. With, and you don't need to be a hockey expert to know this because you'll be the first. I mean, you're not like a hockey expert, especially when it comes to front offices and coaching staffs and stuff. But So, Don Bernardo was named interim coach after they finally got rid of Ralph Kruger, which obviously was long overdue. I think he kind of has put himself into at least a discussion on if he should become the permanent head coach. I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? Because there's bigger names out there, more, frankly, more qualified candidates. But I don't know. And kind of just pull your knowledge of, or, or your fandom of all sports, I guess. Just put it in. If a team's playing better around a coach, don't you think that coach should at least be in consideration for getting that interim label lifted from him and maybe becoming the permanent coach? What do you think? It's definitely making a case, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the streak that they're on right now is not too shabby. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, in my limited hockey experience, I've noticed that, you know, in the past where a lot of times there's a coaching change and immediately that team does a quick. Especially hockey. And, yeah, especially you know, hockey. Yeah. Sometimes it's just that they need to hear a different voice or something. But um, one thing I was listening to uh, Paul Hamilton on WGR this week, and he mentioned how, Apparently, Ralph Kruger wasn't really big on the practices. And that's maybe why players liked him. He did not push them hard. He did not have um, practices that ran too long, um, even by normal NHL standards. So these guys, maybe they weren't in the best you know, conditioning or, or, or weren't working on certain things the way they should if they weren't doing well. But my understanding is that Granado has been – you know, basically running like NHL, typical NHL length practices with these guys. So, there's, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? There's a lot of talent on this roster, even with Eichel and Cousins um, not in the lineup as of late. Um, there's a lot of, there's a, some good talent on this roster. So they've definitely been underperforming this year. Um, well, obviously, I mean, the worst team in the league by record, but um, they've been underperforming. So maybe they just needed, you know, someone to, to right the ship a little bit and they can be at least average, you know, the rest of the way. And then from there on, they, I think the Sabres, you know, front office can determine what the, what the best path forward is at head coach. You know, sometimes maybe just a coach showing more confident confidence in, in young players might mean a lot. I mean, these young players were ter Frankly, they were terrible for Ralph Kruger. I don't know. Again, I, I've heard what Paul Hamilton discussed too about practices being very lax. And I, I, I mean, it was obvious you didn't, again, you don't have to be Paul Hamilton to watch a couple games and know that the team looked disinterested at times and didn't look very competitive. There wasn't a lot of competing in them. There wasn't a lot of pushing and shoving after a whistle. You know, you, you, you lose three, four by three or four goals every night. You're going to start to get pissed off. And you expect to start to get chippy, but you really didn't see that with this Ralph Ruger team at all. But this, to me, it's the young player. It's all about the young players. And I don't know, suddenly, I mean, I've been watching all along and I'm sure I wouldn't no matter what, just it's because what I do, but I'm very interested in watching these last, what is it? 18, 20 games, whatever it may be to see how these young guys continue to develop. Because I'll tell you what, I mean, a big story, we've discussed it a little bit. And you hear it on all Sabres podcasts is Jack Eichel. What's he going to want to do this offseason? Is he going to try to force his way out? I feel very strongly that if guys like um, guys like Middlestat and, and, and Dylan Cousins come back and these guys play well and, and they show they could be a nice part of this core, that might entice them to want to stay. As far as Don Granado, though, the head coach, I don't know. I did look up something because I remembered this. Lindy Ruff. So when Lindy Ruff got fired, Ron Rolston was named the interim coach and the Sabres had just completely, I, I love Lindy Ruff, but the Sabres had just, his message got stale and they just completely stalled out the organization or, or the team on the ice. I should say when they hired Ron Rolston or, or promoted him, I should say their interim coach, they went 15, 11 and five in 31 games. And this was in Ooh, 2012. Yeah. So they had a winning record. Well, I guess if you had the 12, if you had the overtime losses, whatever, they won 15 out of 31 games after Ruff was fired. So they made Ron Rolson the permanent coach. They lifted that interim tag. The first 20 games in the next season, the Sabres went four, 15, and one. And he was fired already. And then they uh Pagula hired 
Ted Nolan, which that didn't work out so great either. Nothing's worked out since Lindy Ruff. But my point was, is Rolson, the team responded well to the change initially, and they looked good. But then they completely, once that interim tag was um, lifted during the offseason, just they completely fell apart and they, and they were terrible. They only won four out of 20 games. So that might be the case to maybe not jump the gun for Don Granado. But again, I think that the, uh, I think he's deserved to be deserving, I should say, or he's getting there to be at least be in the discussion. And considering how bad this team was playing before, that's just a, a welcome sight. By the way, in the Buffalo News, I read about um, Terry Bagula's net worth. Might, it's a pandemic for us, but billionaires. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Came out winners in all this, though. I know you're not a billionaire, so this don't relate to you, but he, he made money. He made money. The Bagulas actually made money. And they're both their franchises are very lucrative right now. So I'm looking at Forbes on um, their team valuations. The Sabres are worth 385 million. He bought them for 189 million back in 2011. So you're talking what, man? Almost uh almost 200 million dollars more they're worth right now. And he bought the Bills for 1.4 billion in 2014, and they're now worth slightly over 2 billion. Your boy's doing all right, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not the worst business to be in professional sports. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk for 26 shirts right now. The latest campaign, Volume 8, Shirt 23, Sporting Buffalo. By the way, I tell you this every week, I like to give a little bit of a running total. You guys are now over 1.1 million raised a day, so congratulations on that, man. That's, that's truly awesome. It really is. The shirt this week, I like it. It's it's old school. It, it reminds me of like the kind of gear that I would wear at a Bills game many, many, many years ago when I was a fan. It depicts uh, a, bu- a standing buffalo with the, with the Zubas on and, and the old school jacket with the big B on the side and, and then the 26 number on it. It, it. it looks really cool, man. It's got a nice old school vibe to me. Was that the, was that the idea there? Yeah, well, Carlo Cortez, who's done a bunch of stuff for us lately, awesome local artist. Uh, he... Dropped it, that in my inbox uh, a month or two ago. And we had to do a, a few tweaks on it just so we could make sure that we weren't, you know, upsetting any, you know, local IP holders. You know, we wanted sure. to make sure that it was right. respective of, that, of all that stuff. But, like, yeah, so to play on the whole Ralph Lauren uh, bear, I guess that's a really popular shirt. And they always have the Ralph Lauren signature you know, underneath the name. So <laughs> Oh, now I get it when I'm looking. Yeah, okay. So, so that's my signature there, and I was I was not for it, but basically, the artist it was his idea, and then you know my staff here said you got to do it. So, <laughs> not really my what I typically do. That's not normally my mo, but I played along with it, so it's got my signature on there. It was you know, under twenty six shirts, but yeah, it's cool. It's a classic retro vibe, like you said, and we got it available in you know it, you know one thing that I guess those shirts are often sold on white. I'm very much not 
fan of white t-shirts as a wearer and is also as a seller i don't i think that there's a lot of things that push against it um just because you know you pit stains or you're you know hang out with your kid and your kid drops food on your shirt or whatever so um i at least was able to you know i, I brought in the whole idea at least we must do a heather gray as well too so it's best of both worlds we have it on two different color options yeah the only reason why i don't particularly wear white is because I, I i i feel like i'm fat it always makes me look always, always makes me look a little bit better but i meant this this shirt is really sharp it really it fits kind of my style too to a t as always i, I want to talk about who it benefits because i mean we hammer this home every week when somebody purchases a shirt you're not just getting something cool to throw on and go to a bills game or go to a bills tailgating game watch party or anything like that but it actually helps benefit someone and in this case it's just a three-year-old her name is sophie do you know the last name offhand? Because I don't want to mispronounce it. Van Van Cognit or Van Cognit. That's kind of where I've been. That's how I've been saying it to myself. I've never had to actually say it out loud. I've spoken with, you know, her mom and everything, but I don't think we ever got into actually saying the last name. Well, her picture, her pictures on the site is what a, what a beautiful little girl, man. Three year old Sophie. Yeah, she's a cutie. She is. She was born with a rare genetic condition called Palliser Hall syndrome. Already, she has undergone 10 surgeries and faces a lifetime of medical challenges. Sophie's parents often have difficulty keeping jobs while they devote their time to Sophie and her treatments. Additionally, their insurance has not always covered all of Sophie's needs. For these reasons, along with frequent co-pays for what insurance will cover, their medical debt has climbed to a crippling amount. Sophie continues to make progress and is learning to chew and swallow food as well as communicate through sign language. Her mom... Notes how happy and resi resilient she is in the face of her difficult diagnosis and how Sophie's attitude encourages her to think positively. The family has, er or has used their life savings to pay for her care and now need our help. You know, I, sometimes I always ask you, well, what do you think about this or this and that? That kind of says it all, bro. <laughs> that description <laughs> says, I mean, I mean what, are you, what are you really supposed to add to that, man? This is a beautiful three-year-old girl that was born with something and, and it's crippling her physically and is crippling the fire the family emotionally and financially you just you look at someone like her and, and man you just you, you gotta help you want to help no matter what oh. yeah yeah absolutely it's just it's heartbreaking and we we talk about this every week you know it's it's heartbreaking and you, you, you put yourself in that family's position and it's just you want to do whatever you can to help you know just because you, all you can do is think about how frustrated and sad and at the same time filled with love and compassion for their children you know what i mean it's just what a what a what a what a what a mess what a mess and we just like i said we just want to do what we can to help and you know we'll, we'll sell as many as we can we'll raise as much as we can to to help these bills that they have piling up but we also want to just provide them encouragement you know so we're tweeting about them every day about their situation we're sharing it you know and we just don't we want to make sure that people know this little girl exists and if they feel moved to help, they can help. We've talked about this before on the show too, with, with, with other campaigns, the money matters a ton, obviously, but also that love and support. So, you know, anyone out there, if you buy the shirt, don't just buy the shirt. I mean, it's great that you bought the shirt, but tweet that you bought it or, or tweet about her, you know what I mean? And give them, give the family encouragement that matters emotionally a lot. I'm sure feeling that love means a, means a ton, by the way, Kicking bass from last week. You still have a few more days left on that. And Mafia Mount Up. I saw that you brought that. Now, that's the shirt that Kyle Brandt, the guy who did the um, interview with, with Josh Allen, he put out a promo. Didn't he give you guys some props, too? I, I thought I saw something yeah, like that. Yeah, he did. He did. That was crazy. I did not expect that. Was that was awesome. pretty cool. Now, that, that's back on sale for a few days. But yeah, I was going to say, were you a little bit surprised to see him You know, throw out props like that? And it's probably never not cool when you see a sports media person or an athlete, whoever it may be that that's sporting your gear. I, I just think that's really cool, man. Dude, it never gets old. And I mean, it's funny. I sent that shirt to Kyle. I overnighted it to uh, the NFL network studios, right. Leading up to the bills game against the chiefs. And he was supposed to have it on that Friday, right? I, I think I sent it out on Thursday. I had a special print job done with a printer. And I, I rushed it out there. And then FedEx or UPS or whoever it was fumbled it somehow. And so he didn't get it until Monday um, so much for overnight. Uh, so he didn't get it until, until Monday after, you know, the Bills lost to the Chiefs. But it was cool. He hung, he, he hung around, you know, and he, he threw it on. And, yeah, he, 
he said, you know, shirt, you know, in his tweet, his promo tweet ahead of time, he mentioned, you know, he mentioned me and 26 shirts. That was, that was awesome. That was, it was so cool. Then he wore it, you know, good morning football or anything. Never gets old, dude. Never gets old. I never, I don't take any of this stuff for granted. I always assume that the, the last thing that just happened is going to be the last time it ever happens, you know? So when it happens again, it's just like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't expect or anticipate any of this stuff, but when it happens, it's so cool. All right, let's wrap up with our weekly segments. We do two of them every week. Uh, one of them is today's years old. That's where each week Dell and I reveal something that we learned over this past week that we had never previously known before. So again, today's years old. So I'll, I'll let you go first, man. What, what do you got this week? I got nothing, dude. I, I know everything. I wish I had something good for the segment. I thought long and hard. I wasn't paying attention all week. Like, did I learn anything new today? I just had it. My week went by fast. So maybe that's what it is. I was today's years old. (laughs) When you realize how fast your week goes. Well, I'll attest to this. I'll I'll attest to to how busy you were this week, too. Because I said a couple DMs. And I could tell how how frantic everything was going for you this week, for sure. So, yeah. All right, well, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. That's that's plausible. I'm going to give you one. What what, what is it they say, though? They, they, They say that life is like a roll of toilet paper. The farther you get through it, the faster it goes. <laughs> so. <laughs> I got one that may, I want to actually, I'm interested in knowing if you know this, I definitely just found this out and it has to do with the MCU universe. You know, you're a big MCU guy. Yeah, I, I, was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was today's years old when I learned that Robert Downey Jr. Wasn't even the first choice for Iron Man. Did you know that? Cruz. It's Tom Cruise. See, God, you go ruining my shit, man. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea. I read this. If you remember back to 2008, I don't remember how I found this out, but I found it on the internet. I clicked on it. I was like, whoa. It was like stars who weren't supposed to be, you know, who weren't the original choices. And yeah, Iron Man was originally Tom Cruise. Like you said, back in 2008, this is what it said. Robert Downey Jr. was not the mega bankable star he is today. The original choice for the role was Tom Cruise, who eventually dropped out due to differences of opinion of the script. One of the other finalists for the role was Sam Rockwell, who would eventually return in the series as Justin Hammer in Iron Man 2. However, Downey Jr. was eventually chosen all over all the others as his own dark past perfectly mirrored that of Tony Stark. Other actors considered for the lead, I don't know if you knew this at least, Hugh Jackman, Clive Owen, and Nicolas Cage. I did not know about any of them. I think Hugh Jackman, that would have been a huge mistake. He was already established as, as Wolverine at that point. I mean, come on. Can you picture, all right, let me ask you this. Can you picture Iron Man with Tom Cruise? Can you picture it? I can't. I can't picture Iron Man as, as anybody but Robert Downey Jr. Even when you look at the old comics, like, he kind of looks like Tony Stark or Anthony Stark if you go way far, way back in the, the comics. So <laughs> he's perfect. And it's, it is crazy, though. You talk about his dark past. You know, Robert Downey Jr., man, he he had a dark past. There's so many stories I remember through the 90s, especially. Just, yeah. You know, he kept having a comeback story. Like every couple of years, there's the, you know, Robert Downey Jr. comeback story. I'm, I'm glad he finally got it sorted out and was able to make some fire movies. <laughs> yeah. I just, I sometimes you, there's just characters in, in shows and movies where you just can't envision any, anybody else doing it. And this is definitely one of them. But yeah, I never knew Tom Cruise would have been the that that he was their first choice anyway all right so i think if i can nerd out i think he was the studio's first choice but um i think that uh, the uh, the john favreau really wanted robert downey jr from the jump if i remember reading that correctly or hearing that i heard on a podcast in the past year that the studios really wanted tom cruise but um when when it didn't when it didn't pan out John Favreau like left at the opportunity, like, oh, I got my window. I want Robert Downey Jr. because he had just done a movie with, uh, I think it was called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I never saw it, but that played a huge role in uh, the selection for him for that role. I'll stop now. I well, no 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 no. <laughs> I wonder I wonder what when it's when Tom Cruise when it was described as differences of opinion on the script. I'd love to know what what he didn't like about it. Obviously, because he didn't end up taking the role, so. I'd love to know what he didn't think was good about the script that ultimately he he turned it down. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So last week we did, and this is how we end with our, our starting five. Dell and I do a snake draft each week and we pick a, 
a starting five of a specific category, something usually so far has been pop culture related and will be again today. Last week was best comedians and I'm on a winning streak now, dude, because I got you, I got you two in a row. So I took Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Rodney Dangerfield, which you were not happy about and Dave Chappelle <laughs> and Dell went with Chris Rock, Robin Williams, Mel Brooks, Kyle Reiner and Jerry Seinfeld. I will say this in fairness to you. I feel like I went with more commercial, popular, mainstream guys, whereas you took guys, especially Carl Reiner. I think Reiner is one of the all-time greats. And, and so is Mel Brooks. You know what I'm saying? But to the average, you know, to the person on Twitter, because that's kind of ultimately how we determine this is through Twitter votes. And I'd say, what, maybe 20 to 35 on average is probably the the people, our audience, the bulk of them, at least on Twitter. I mean, there's exceptions. I would say generally it's 40 and younger. I mean, you're comfortable saying that, right? Sure. Young people. Yeah. So young, <laughs> younger than us. Right. Young people, <laughs> young people, many young people don't even know who the hell Carl Reiner even is, which is sad, but probably true. Almost ditto for Mel Brooks and even Robin Williams to a certain extent. A lot of younger people don't know him as one of the funniest comedians who's ever lived. They know him as a serious dramatic actor, like in Goodwill Hunting and a ton of other movies too. Which, to his credit, I we talked about this last week. I don't, I don't know of anybody. I feel like Steve Carell, to some extent, might be on that path where he went from being a goofy comedian who played comedic roles to becoming a very good, um, serious, dramatic actor. Yeah, Steve Carell, like Tom Hanks, Tom Crazy, Hanks, Tom Hanks, absolutely yeah. Tom Hanks. But Robin Williams may have done that as well, or or even better than than anybody. So anyway, my point was this. There was a pretty big discrepancy in the voting, but I, I feel like that was more of a, a factor of, of the generation of, of age on Twitter voting my way as opposed to yours. I, I thought yours was good. So this week we're going to do movie soundtracks. And I'm looking here now. You went first last week. So I, I'll go first and then, and then you'll have the next two. And I got to make sure I have room to type here. And uh, yeah, we'll do that. And again, I'll put up a Twitter weekend poll and... Uh, well, we'll we'll let the the younger audience decide who who's his best, who's starting five is best. So I'll go first, and then you got the next two. And my first round pick, I'm gonna draft. I'm gonna draft Purple Rain. That's gonna be my first overall pick. One of my favorite albums. You're such an '80s guy. I am, oh, oh, dude, I am. I'm unapologetic about it too. By the way, I I know I stacked it. I'm listen. I'm not afraid to lie to you. I'm kind of. I've been stacking the deck with these categories. Where I could always refer back to the 80s. But yes, Prince Purple Rain, uh, Let's Go Crazy, Darling Nikki, When Doves Cry, one of my top three, I think, favorite songs from all in the 80s. Purple Rain, the, the title song from the soundtrack. There's like six great songs on that. And a funny quick story, too, on a side note. So my father, like I grew up, I was a teenager in the 80s. My father liked classic rock and Motown oldies. And to oldies, I'm talking like 50s and 60s. My dad used to yell at me, swear at me to turn my 80s shit off, whatever, who, no matter who it was, whether it was new wave music, whether it was Michael Jackson, whoever it might have been, Patrick, get that shit off. But he loved Prince. I don't understand why, but he loved Prince and Purple Rain. And he played that album all the time and he hated 80s music and, and R&B from the 80s, but he loved that music or that album. I should say. So anyway, I'm going to go with Purple Rain. So now you're going to get the next two. That's a good first choice, man. I, I, I commend you on that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll just do it. I'm going to say it. My next two, I, I was going to see if I could bundle these in as one album, but that's fine. I'll play by the rules. My first one is guardians of the galaxy. My second choice is guardians of the galaxy volume two. <laughs> they, they, are, they are such awesome anthologies. And whether you've seen the movie or not, like, you know, all the songs, uh, come and get your love and Mr. Blue Sky. They're so just amazing, you know, um, the chain Fleetwood Mac. I mean, just you can't go wrong with, with, with those two, uh, those two movies. Like I said, I was going to try and squeeze them into one because it's the same franchise, but I'll, like I said, I'll play by the rules. <laughs> well, it's funny because here's what's been established on this podcast over the first month of doing casual Fridays with you. A, I'm an eighties guy and B, you're Marvel's guy. I mean, that, that, that's indisputable <laughs> at this point. Somehow, some way, we're always going to work. You're going to work MCU and your stuff. I'm going to work 80s into mine. Well, I'm going to stick with that too. I'm. By the way, I'm not going anywhere with either of my next two picks. 
So I'm going to go Footloose, the soundtrack. I think I talked about this on the, on the show a week or two ago. One of my favorite albums, not just soundtracks, one of my favorite albums ever. There were like five top 10 hits on that album. You had Footloose and I'm Free by Kenny Loggins. Let's Hear It For The Boy by Denise Williams. Almost Paradise, Mike Reno and Ann Wilson and Dancing In The Sheet, Shalimar. So I love that. And then, which by the way, we could have a separate topic. One day we're going to power rank all these movies, but I'm going to go the, the soundtrack from Rocky Four, One of my favorite soundtracks ever. Like that's like my get fired up album to listen to. You have, well, you had Eye of the Tiger. It was from Rocky Three, but in Rocky Four, they start the movie off with that song again. So that's on mm-hmm. there. James Brown, Limited in America. And then two of my most cheesiest songs from the eighties, but they still get me fired up. Um, Hearts on Fire. I love that song. That's when Rocky's training in Russia before, uh, right before he fights Drago. And uh, there's no easy way out. That is one of my favorite songs ever. Some dude sang that at karaoke about a month or so ago down here in Florida. I videotaped him. I screamed like a fan and I posted it. <laughs> I posted I posted on Twitter. You know what song I'm talking about? There's no yep, easy yep, way out. Oh, oh my God. I love that song. So anyway, I'm going Footloose and I'm going Rocky Four. So you're going to have two more coming up right now. Dude, just a quick aside. The Rocky franchise is probably one of the best sports movie franchises Yep. Ever made. I mean, Rocky one, Rocky two, especially Rocky three is great. Just because, you know, it's Mr. T Rocky four. The movie wasn't so say, great. No, it's, it's not a movie. It's a bunch of montages. Yeah. <laughs> great songs. You just label, you just named them all, but the whole movie is just one montage after another. Um, Make no mistake, I love it. And if it's on TV, I'll stop and I'll watch it. <laughs> it is uh, it, that that that's the one that's the one movie out of all the whole franchise, which is just like it's in my mind, it's so different. It's just a bunch of montages, you know, him working out. Oh, you're 100 percent right. I, someday, I would love someday. We'll, we're gonna power rank like the Rocky movies. We'll power rank them from from worst to first. But anyway, <laughs> all right, go ahead. You're back on the clock with two. Uh, Forrest Gump. That's a two CD set, which is a complete. Americana, you know, anthology. So you'll see kind of where I'm going with 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 my choices. You know, a lot of recycled songs, but they're good songs. They're good songs. Yeah, it counts as a soundtrack, you know. Um, so I mean, that's just a. I think that album might have actually ranked when it was released in '94 when the movie came out. Um, it might have actually ranked like on Billboard charts just because it was such a great collection of just, you know, three decades worth of music. Sure, fantastic. And then. Um, I'll being a nineties, being a teenager in the nineties, I'm going to go with singles. Yeah, that's the, the one soundtrack. I think that every, almost every teenager that was listening to rock or grunge, I think they all had that in their collection. None of us saw the movie, <laughs> 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 but it had, it had exclusive tracks from, uh, Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and Mud Honey and all these awesome nineties bands. Um, I think I did see the movie, but it was like years later. I'm like, this movie's, I, you would think it was all about music, right? I mean, I think it was. I've, I've repressed a lot of it, or I just forgotten it. Like, it was a stupid movie. I'm looking at but, it right now. Yeah, wow. Talk about some great artists, man. Um, yeah, the ones you mentioned, Chris Cornell, Soundgarden. Whoa, yeah. 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 Dude, that, is a, that was like, I think like, if the 90s had like, if there was any movie that leaned into grunge for its soundtrack, it was that one came out at the peak moment. I think it came out, what, 93, I think is when the movie came out. Uh, summer, 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 92. Yeah. 92. All right. I'm getting old. I can't remember, but, um, oh, man, that's a great soundtrack. It was a great, great soundtrack. I think another thing you and I are starting to establish in terms of who we are as people. And, and when it comes to pop culture stuff is you, you are more of a nineties guy, like alternative rock grunge, like that's your lane with, I'm, I'm I'm sure you like all kinds of music. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, cornholing us to, to, to one thing or pigeonhole us, I should say, to just one kind of genre. But like the meat and potatoes of what you like. Am I right to say it's probably like that 90s grunge, alternative rock, classic rock, oh, or yeah. rock kind of, kind of deal? I think that's my, that's my foundation. And I've, I listened to like everything, but that was my foundation. I always had friends in, you know, early high school that listened to, like my whole friend group, it seemed like, listened to, R&B and rap and which I have no issue with. It just didn't really like turn me on. And then all of a sudden I heard 
smells like teen spirit when I was a junior in high school and my brain exploded. I was like, this is the music that yeah. I've been waiting for or has been waiting for me <laughs> or whatever, you know, um, that just opened up the world to me. And so then, and I heard Pearl Jam shortly after that with Alive. And for a long time, Pearl Jam, I would have considered my favorite band, but looking back now, I think Nirvana, I, don't know, I wouldn't say they're my favorite band, but they have surpassed Pearl Jam in terms of, you know, where they rank in my personal all-time favorite bands. I've always been partial to to the cheese, man. Like I, I was an 80s cheese music kind of guy, pop music kind of guy. And then I got really much into early 90s R&B. Then I think I went pretty much drunk for the rest of that decade. And then, I, and, then <laughs> and then I made a nice comeback with boy band. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it, man. I, I like the boy band music, man. NSYNC and Backstreet Boys when they came out. It's kind of funny now because it was like taboo for for people during that time who were older to, to be into that music then. But now it's cool to like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and, and brag about it. But 20 years ago, it was, 20 years ago it wasn't. Yes, it is, dude. Yeah, absolutely it is. Come on, man. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> All right, I got my last two here. I'm going to go, this is from the 90s, so I'm, they're not all 80s here. Early 90s, though. But anyway, the Bodyguard soundtrack, which was pretty much all Whitney. Um, I'll Always Love You. I Have Nothing. Run to You. I'm Every Woman. Queen of the Night. And then there was Soul System. It's going to be a lovely day. That, that was a good song, too. I remember seeing that at the movies. In fact, I went with my buddy Joe. I, I don't know why I remember this, but I do. I went with a dude to go see The Bodyguard, which is a romantic movie with Whitney Houston songs. <laughs> we made sure that we sat like we had that one seat space, though, in, in between the oh, two yeah, of the us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 the, the dude, dude buffer. buffer. So shout out Joe P. We went to see that movie together back in, I don't know, it was 92 or whatever it may have been. So that's, that's going to be my fourth. Uh, my last one is going to be, you know what? It's, I'm going back to the 80s, but kind of like you with, with cover songs. The, the soundtrack from Dirty Dancing. I like that a lot because you had some corny songs. And I, like, I told you, I like cheese. I like corny. I've had the time of my life. I love that song, um, Hungry Eyes by Eric Carmen. Patrick Swayze, I never knew he could sing. He, well, he can't sing, but he had, a good, he had a good song. Anyway, She's Like the Wind. And then you had some oldie covers like uh, Be My Baby. And I'm looking at the soundtrack now. In the Still of the Night by the Five Saddens. That was a great soundtrack. And it's, by the way, it's also my wife's favorite movie ever too. So she probably would kill me if I didn't pick it. But anyway, yeah, that's my fifth. So I went, yeah, I'm done now. So you got the last one here. You've went Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, Forrest Gump singles. All right, man, you got one more left. This is tough because I picked, you know, seven, not knowing if you're going to pick any of mine like last week. Like you got all those credit for those comedians. You just picked them before I do. But that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Twitter could think that I just, you know, whatever they want to think. No. Um, this is tough. So I am going to play it play it safe here. And maybe I'll give you my honorable mentions afterwards. But I'm going to play it safe here and go with Mamma Mia. Um, for those that didn't know, I am a huge, maybe, not, it's, not, not, it's not a closet uh, ABBA fan now, but because uh, I'm out, I'm saying it, like, <laughs> big ABBA fan. It's, it's, you know, it's so great. So Mamma Mia in the theaters. Uh, and I think it, was, it came out in 2008. And then it was released on DVD. So that year... It like came out like a week before my birthday, so for my birthday we all watched. <laughs> we watched Mamma Mia, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and and then you know Mamma Mia two came out and it was great. And it was so much fun. A few years ago, my daughter was in a summer musical and she was in it. Great production, great you know, great catalog of songs, just absolutely amazing. Um, so we're so heavy on the eighties and nineties. I thought maybe we I'll pull a little seventies into it. That that works. All right, so here's what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the five again, and you said you had a an honorable mention or two because I'm looking at my list, and so do I, and I'm actually pissed off at myself. I it was an oversight. This should have been on my five, but whatever. What's done is done. All right, so so I went Purple Rain, Footloose, Rocky Four, Bodyguard, and Dirty Dancing, which is pretty much four movies from the '80s and one from the early '90s. Dell went Guardians of the Galaxy one, Guardians of the Galaxy two, Forrest Gump, underrated choice there singles and the soundtrack from mama mia you're all over the place i can I, I can respect that shit i like it yeah all right yeah. so give me one or two if you have any that are uh honorable mention for you because i definitely have a few and i'm pissed off about one of them uh magnolia if you ever have three hours three and a half hours to spare it's a kind of an artsy film done by pt anderson a lot of interconnecting stories that all kind of come together at the end um 
has a great soundtrack. Amy Mann. You, I, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She I was am. the lead singer of the band Till Tuesday back in the eighties. Oh yeah. Um, just it's just a great a great soundtrack. It's got it's definitely got a certain vibe to it. You know, it's its own thing, but it's pretty great. And they worked actually one of the songs that she sings on the soundtrack. Like I said, it's kind of artsy. There's one scene where it's going from you know actor to actor in their own scenes, and they're singing that song like in the middle of the scene. Uh, John C. Riley. Before anybody knew he was funny, he's in that movie. It's a great. It's a great movie. A little long. Yeah, but, I've um, seen. That's a, that's I've a great soundtrack. It's a great cast. I I know the movie. But I never actually watch it. Like we spoke about Tom Cruise earlier. He wasn't. He was in that movie. I, I believe. I think he won Best Supporting Actor, which was funny because he played like his role in that movie. While it was significant, you know, in the overall story, at least in terms of how I was paying attention, there was so much going on. It wasn't that huge of a, a, a part, but I don't know. Maybe he was. Well, I mean, I'm looking at, because I've never seen this movie, but I'm going to now. I'm just looking at the cast. Holy shit, man. Philip Seymour, yeah, everybody's in it. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. Julianne Moore is in it. You mentioned John C. Riley, uh, Jason Robards, Felicity Huffman, Patton Oswalt, Jeremy Blackman. God damn. Anyway, all right. That, that, that's a good one. I got one more, too. One more after that. This one's completely different. Requiem for a Dream. It, so my previous life, I was uh, a computer programmer. And I would, I would always play music, but like, I'm not so smart. My brain's not so complicated that I'm able to listen to music with lyrics and type at the same time. <laughs> and so, so I'd always listen to like different like scores. And uh, this movie is pretty disturbing. You know, I would say that I wouldn't necessarily recommend it unless you're really into disturbing, sad movies. But um, the soundtrack is just, it's just insane. It's the one track it's actually repeated a couple times through the score. You'll recognize it because it's it's featured in like every third movie trailer you watch. <laughs> so they, they they pulled it from there, but um, that's a great soundtrack. It's a little little off the wall, but um, if you you know you guys spent eight hours in front of a computer programming, it's not too bad to listen to. <laughs> All right, I got a couple too that were on my honorable mention. Two of them were only going to go if I needed them, so I'll, I'm happy we're not having to pick them, but. I was, and these are both '90s movie soundtracks. Boomerang, I like that soundtrack a lot. That's um, "End of the Road" was on that. "Love Should Have Brought You Home Last Night" by Tony Braxton, great soundtrack. And then, then there's a new one coming out this summer, "Space Jam." I love the soundtrack from "Space Jam." Obviously, Art Kelly, but um, the the "Space Jam" song by the Quad City DJs that was a uh, for you. I will by Monica. Again, I was a '90s R&B person. The one that I didn't mention that I'm pissed off about which probably in fairness to me wouldn't have played well in terms of pollsters anyway, is the soundtrack from Saturday Night Fever back in the 70s, which essentially was the Bee Gees writing all the music for Saturday Night Fever, the song that start or the movie that starred uh, John Travolta. That was an amazing soundtrack. I just talked to you literally a week ago on this podcast yeah. about how I discovered how, you know, how fascinating their career was. And then I and then I neglect to, to name them in my top five when they're clearly on my list, man. I can go on forever just naming all the songs, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But man, that was an incredible soundtrack. A very eclectic. I, I'm proud of us this week because I mean I'm looking at your list and my list and even the honorable mentions, and we're kind of all over the place, especially you. So props for that, man. We'll, 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 yeah, that's 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 me. I, I can't decide anything. I can never decide anything. So I just like everything. <laughs> well, we'll see how it plays out. And I know that's going to be it for today's episode. Make sure you give Dell a follow on Twitter at Dell Reed. Go buy the new shirt. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Go on Twitter sometime this week. Vote for who you think had the better movie soundtracks, myself or Dell. We just do it for fun. A little bit of bragging rights on next week's episode. But anyway, if you're not subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Randy review, all that fun stuff. Next week, I will be in Buffalo. I do plan on having to sit down with Dell. We will do a show together next week's schedule Friday. And I got one or two other things in the works, but don't want to say for sure right now at this time, just hopefully it'll all come together. But anyway, thank you very, very much for listening. Have a good weekend. I will be back with a brand new show next Tuesday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.